Good morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath. It's good to be with you here again this morning. And, um, you know, I was studying very hard this past week. This was one of my stresses for the week. We've finished up the series of uh, the Kings. And I was trying to study into a message, um, a series, actually. I'm trying to look into the book of John, and I hope that by next time we're here together again, we can start that together. But um, we have a spot topic here for this morning, um, and it's entitled, Studying with All Diligence. Before we get into the message, let's bow our heads, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we open your word now, please guide us with your spirit. Lead us into all truth, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles this morning to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We have been studying uh, the book of Timothy in Sabbath school. And um, Timothy was a young minister. And First Timothy, really, we, look, we, we recapped it this morning real quick. I just asked about the theme, but First Timothy really is the counsels to the church. What Timothy needed to know in order to be able to run a church to a certain extent. And it uh, talked about the elders, it talked about the deacons. But in First Timothy chapter 4, it was some sort of counsel to Timothy as a young minister. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, the Bible says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And, you know, Paul reminded Timothy, look, even though you're a young minister, let no man despise your youth. And I don't feel that many people in this day and age actually look down to young people. In fact, there is a generation of young people that are being raised up to lead in the church, to lead in the, the conferences, to lead in spiritual things. The thing that I find common throughout the world that I often see is that it's not that people actually look down on the youth, but the youth have actually look down upon themselves. And we doubt ourselves too much that we can actually lead or, or do certain things. But Paul reminds him, don't let anybody look down on you being a young person. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, which is the, the key text of what we're looking at here today, it says that we ought to study to show ourselves approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I believe that as young people, if we're able to do that, and really as God's people overall, if we're able to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, we will have the confidence that knowing that God is with us and that we have a message to bear before the people. It's not often that I feel that people look down upon the youth or whatever age we might be, but too often we look down upon ourselves, maybe because we haven't studied enough. You know, I've gone into sermons knowing that I'm not prepared enough. And when you do that, you get very nervous. 
When you do that, you go round and round in your words. You don't have a point. You, you fumble at the end and you're repeating everything you've said again. And we know sometimes when we haven't studied enough when we're presenting a message. And that's happened to me before. But studying is such an important aspect when it comes to life. But you know, friends, I want you to understand what, why, why studying is so important. You know, when you look at this word studying, you know, students, we don't like to study. And now I'm telling you, all of us need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. You know why? When you look at this word studying, what do you see? You see the word dying. And we're, we're kind of allergic to this word, do you know that? But God says we have to study. To study to show ourselves approved unto who? Unto God. And when you look at that word study, it means to hasten, to exert one's self to be diligent. If we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, it requires diligence, it requires exertion beyond what you're normally used to. Study does not come naturally to many of us. Many of us are not diligent students. In fact, the thing that I hear often over and over and over again is procrastination when it comes to studying. Do you know that? And, you know, friends, you find it easy but, um, because you have exams once every few months, isn't it? But, you know, every week I have to study to figure out something to be able to preach. And whether you like it or not, you have to be able to present something. Isn't it right? And, you know, it requires a lot of diligence. It requires a lot of exertion. And I believe when we put in that earnest effort, we won't actually look down upon ourselves because we will know then that God has given us a message. Amen? It requires that earnestness to come and to study the Scriptures. And I want you to think about this as we're going through the message. When is the last time that you put in earnest effort, exertion to, to be diligent in studying the Scriptures? And when you look at that word diligence, look at it. It means rigor, carefulness, thoroughness, attentiveness, earnestness, persistence, tenacity, zeal. You know, these are pretty strong words, aren't they? They're, they're very emotional words. Dedication, commitment, tirelessness, industry, hard work. So many of these things that actually, if we apply it to our professional life, would do us well as well. But diligence in studying, the Bible says, we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. Why do we study? For ourselves. Some people just want to know what that means or what it is. Um, with growing children, they're asking all these questions that I never really think about. It's caused me to go to Google more often than not to answer all these questions. But for self, for our parents, you don't have a choice. Some of you are studying because you have to, isn't it? Maybe 
you already realize what your passion is, but sometimes that passion to Asian parents especially is not good enough. I want to be in music. I want to be an artist. Sometimes to us, that's not good enough. Not for Asian parents anyways. You've got to be in business. You've got to be in law. You've got to be in some sort of computer thing, engineering, right? We have different reasons for why we study. For money. Some of us think that if you don't study, you can't earn money. You know, that's a fallacy. It's not true. But uh, I'm going to leave it at that or else I might be in trouble with the parents. For a better life. Some of us think that in, if I could just get this degree, it'll get me this amount of a paycheck. Then I can live this lifestyle. You know, we study for different reasons, isn't it? And... Uh, some of us, we just study because we think it's the right thing to do. Everyone else my age is doing it. Why shouldn't I? You know, as parents, I get a lot of questioning about, you know, hey, so what, what grade is your daughter in? Uh, she's not in any grade. She's uh, at home. She's like, what? Many people ask us, you, you, you don't send your children to school? No. So some of us, we go through life following just the trend. This is the right thing to do. This is what we should be doing at this age, at this time, you know. But when it comes to studying, the question I ask you, when it comes to studying the Word of God, why do we study? Do we study just so we can have a bit of head knowledge for ourselves? Do we study? When do we study? Why do we study? How can we study to show ourselves approved to God? For too often when we study, even the approbation of man is not enough. But we got to come to this level that we can stand before God. And he says, that's right, Ben. When I study into the scriptures, when I look into the messages, I'm not thinking, hey, will this person accept what I say? I have to make sure, number one, it passes the scrutiny of God. Study to show ourselves approved to God. Because if we can do that, then we don't have to be afraid of what man thinks, Amen. You know, there are two models of worship. Two models of worship. And when I, when I talk about this, about being approved unto God, we have two ideas of how worship is. Do you know that? Number one, God is the producer. The pastor is the actor. And the congregation is the audience. Have you heard of this before? So God is the producer. The pastor I'm standing up here acting and you're going to be sitting there going, hmm, good job. Or no, I don't like this guy. I'm never coming back again. Or, you know, I don't agree. He's so bad. Or, you know, the congregation is like the judge, the audience. That is typical worship. But friends, it shouldn't be the case. True worship, actually, God is the audience. The people are the actors. So 
You sitting down there, you're the actor. And the pastor is the prompter. Just telling you what's coming next. You know? When you look at the approval of God, study to show yourselves approved unto God. Even coming to church, does God approve? In what sense? Did God approve the time that you walked into church this morning? Did God approve the time that you spent in devotion this past week? Does God approve in the way you dress coming to church? Is it important? Absolutely. And, you know, Moses, when he stood before the burning bush, God told him what? Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. The priests... When they stood before the people, they had to make sure that their robe was long enough so when they went off the altar of burnt sacrifice, people wouldn't be able to see up their skirt. Did you know that? There were things that the priest had to wear, all white, in order to come into the sanctuary. So is dress important? Absolutely it is. It is. I'm not trying to be a Pharisee. But does God give you the stamp of approval in everything you do. Even as you sit here this morning, does God approve of what you're doing? Because some come to church, and I see it all the time, friends. They're on their phones, texting, WhatsApp, Facebook, drawing. I grew up, my mother was folding paper airplanes and cranes and balls for me. Does God approve? Are you with me? For too often, we look at church like this, but actually, it should be the reverse. God is the audience, and the people are the actors. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. Come with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. This is what the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. At the end of time, all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will all give an account just of ourselves. We can't give an account for our children. We can't give an account for our spouse. We can't give an account for our church members. We can't give an account for anything except the deeds done in our own bodies. And God will be the one that will either give us the stamp of approval or a stamp of rejection. And the Bible says that we must study to show ourselves approved to God. A workman that needeth not to be what? Ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, as we come together in Sabbath school, we're trying to learn how to dig, how to divide the word of truth. We're trying to figure out how we can look into the Bible and interpret so that at the end of the day, hopefully, 
if you come to sack long enough, you can go home and to be able to divide the truth for yourself. That's what we're trying to foster so that one day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you can give the right answers. Are you with me? We need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God, He has to give the approval, but we have to do it in a right way. You know, when you look at that word, rightly dividing, it means to give what? To make a straight cut. And so, I, I, I liken it to sewing, and I'm not a sewer. I've done a little bit when I was growing up in high school and primary school. But, you know, it takes a lot of skill to, to, to use that scissors and to pull it out and, and, and cut a straight line when you're cutting the cloth, isn't it? It takes what? It takes practice. It requires the right tools. And you have to make sure that your tools are sharp. So, even so, when it comes to studying the Scriptures, look, you are never going to be ready to give Bible studies somebody. You're not going to be ready to teach in Sabbath school. You're not, never ever going to be ready to start preaching until you start doing it. Amen? It's like this. How, how do I cut in a straight line? Well, you need a scissors. You need a cloth. Make sure you sharpen your scissors if, if you have to sharpen it. I don't know. But you're never going to know how to cut in a straight line until you get that piece of cloth with your own hands, get the scissors, and start practicing. Are you with me? In order to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, you have to just start dividing it. Amen? And so, as we come together, I would love it if all of us would eventually stand up here to give a sermon. Amen? Ah, you're still... Yeah. Some of you are looking down. Don't look at me. I'm next, I know. You know, but you will never come to the point where you know whether you are rightly dividing the word of truth until you start doing it. And all of us will always be too lazy to start studying to show ourselves approved unto God until we have to study. Even a Sabbath school teacher, it is a low standard. Do you know that? Because at Sabbath school, you know, okay, if I get it wrong, Karina's here, or Derek's here, or I'm here, or you know, Evelyn's here, or someone's here to correct me, we'll be all right in a multitude of counsel, there's safety, you know? So we kind of just study, okay, I think I kind of get what it means. Even though it's wrong, it's okay. You know what I mean? For Sabbath school, it's kind of different. But when you stand up here and you, you have to preach, and then you, you just start talking, you can begin to see whether people get it, whether they're bored, or whether they're confused. You know, I... I've, I've preached in a congregation, I mean, my congregation back in Taiwan, I had a lot of expats, Americans. And I had this one guy, he would always sit there and he'd be like this. And then he would, if you didn't get it, he would look at you and like his face would be scrunched up like, what are you saying? Are you with me? And you begin to understand how well you've been preaching and how well you've studied 
when you begin to see people's reactions. And then you'll realize, hey, I didn't do it well enough this round. I better go and study some more. Are you with me? Some of us just have to be embarrassed. And I'm saying this in a good way. Look, I have so many embarrassing stories about my preaching that many times when I stand up here, I'm sweating not because it's hot. I'm sweating because I'm nervous. Do you understand that? But until we get to the point of having to stand up to share, many of us will not start studying. We think that it's the pastor's work to study. Um, you went to theology school, but you know what? Theology school is just I learned a whole lot of knowledge. And I learned that when I came out, I still had to study. You know what I mean? The, the, the sermons that I get is not from things that I learned 12 years ago when I was studying in theology school. Do you know that? The things that I'm getting now, I have to study it out myself. I have to read books. I have to read, 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 and read. Yesterday, I spent five hours just reading John over and over and over and over and over again and looking at different things. It requires a lot of time to dig and to pull these out just so that we can stand before man. Never mind God. Study to show yourselves approved unto God. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. You know, you can tell a person who is well-studied and who is not. You can tell a person who, who reads a lot and who doesn't. You know, I was quite impressed with this young man that I knew from Canada. You know, the, the whole issue about women's ordination was coming up, and they were posting this live session of the GC, and he happened to be there. I don't know what he was doing there. But he's in his 20s, this young guy. I, I follow him on Facebook. We're friends. And he reads a book a week. Can you believe that? And it's not just religious books. I mean, he reads a wide of, of um, leadership, even some sports biographies, health. He's really into health. And of course, a lot of religious stuff as well. But he reads a book a week. And when I sat there and I was watching him and the discourse that he gave in front of all the GC and everybody that were debating about this woman's ordination, I was impressed that a young man of that age could give such a speech. But the heart of the righteous, they study and then they answer. But the wicked, who I am too often like, pour out foolish things. Do you know that? Somehow in our communion with God, in the way that we study, it will begin to change our demeanor, our thoughts, our actions, our life. First Peter 3.15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. We have to be ready all the time to be able to give an answer. You know, I like Bible questions. I like to feel challenged in that way. But the reason why I enjoy it is because it challenges me to study more. 
When people ask questions that I don't know, I can go back and I study it out to make sure that these things are clear first to me, but then it can be logical to the people that are asking. So if you're you're afraid of preaching, then I want to encourage you to start giving Bible studies because at least that gives you feedback. But you see, that also is a very good way to help us to study because you have to teach so that the person can understand. Look, my first ever Bible study was to my best friend in high school. He wasn't any religion. We were just good buddies. We went shopping together. We'd play bowling together. We'd go play tennis together, play basketball together. And um, he finally accepted Bible studies. I still remember sitting in his room. I remember, I remember exactly his whole setup of his room and exactly what was going on because that was one of the most embarrassing days in my life. And I think it's because of me, he's not Christian today. I remember going through the Amazing Facts study guide and I was going through and halfway, I know he lost interest. You know, you don't have to be an expert to know people are bored. Are you with me? And it kind of put me off of sharing. And then, you know, they, they asked me to share. I still remember when, for, for Vespers back in Australia, my Vespers was five minutes long. They were all sitting around in a circle. And then I was done. They looked at me. Are you finished? Yeah. There was silence for a while. And it's, I'm telling you, embarrassment sometimes is a good thing because it helps us to realize where we are in our studies and our walk with Christ. And if we cannot pass the judgment seat of man, how can we pass the judgment seat of Christ? For which every single one of us are to stand individually before Him one day. Parents, we have to prepare our children to be able to stand. Husbands, you've got to prepare your spouse. You've got to be the priest of the home to be able to prepare your family to stand but they will stand before Christ on their own, as will you. Study to show yourselves approved unto God. I want to share with you a quote taken from Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, page 440. It's at the end. The time of trouble such as never was is soon to open upon us, and we shall need an experience which we do not now possess, and many are too indolent to obtain it. Do you see that? The time of trouble is coming, and she says that many of us are not ready. And the reason is because we don't, do not have an experience that will bring us through that time, and yet many of us are indolent. You know what the word indolent is? Lazy. Many of us too lazy to get that experience, to come up to that point. It is often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality, but this is not true of the crisis before us. Do you understand what that sentence means? Often when, when you have trouble coming, what you think in your mind is actually worse than what it really is. Okay? When I was a little kid, about 15, 16, my mom was on the way to work in the evening, my brother, he was in the world. He was in drugs. He had kicked out of home. It was just me home alone. And my mom called and said, Ben, I got in a car accident. She started crying. I was so scared. 
I called my brother. I still contacted him. He was living outside. He zoomed over, came to pick me up, and we zoomed over to the hospital. She was okay. She went home that night. She was okay. Not even whiplash, you know. But in your mind, on the way to the hospital, you're thinking all these things. Did she lose her arm? Did she lose her leg? Is she bleeding inside? A concussion? What happened, you know? You're thinking all these things. In your anticipation is actually worse than in reality, but not so with the time of trouble. The time of trouble, you think of what the worst can be, you haven't even thought about it. It hasn't reached the magnitude of what it really is. That's what this quote is saying. The most vivid presentation cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal. You think of World War II. Think of Hitler. Think of Rwanda and what happened in the 90s. Think of whatever you can think of, 911. Think of the worst you can think of. Your mind has not reached it, she says. And now, while the precious Savior is making an atonement for us, we should seek to become perfect in Christ. God's providence is the school in which we are to learn the meekness and lowliness of Jesus. The Lord is ever setting before us, not the way we would choose, which is easier and pleasanter to us, but the true aims of life. None can neglect or defer this work, but at the most fearful peril to their souls. You know what the school is that she says? It is what? God's providence is the school in which we are to learn the meekness and lowliness of Christ. Some of us, when we look at God's providence, we don't actually like it. Do you know that? In what sense? God's providence maybe brought you from overseas to settle here in Malaysia. And something bad might happen. You go, oh, we made a mistake. Time to move on. No. If God's providence brought you here, make sure you stay till you learn the lesson. Are you with me? Maybe God's providence brought you to this church. You walked in and you met this offensive pastor. He offended you from the east to the west to the north to the south. He left no stone unturned. But maybe God is trying to teach you patience. And as you go back and offend him, he's got to learn patience too, amen? You know what I mean? I don't believe that as you're sitting here this morning that God brought you here by chance. Circumstances make want you to leave the country, but you're still here. Circumstances made you leave the country, but then it brought you back and you're still here. All of us are guided seemingly by life, but friends, this is God's providence. I believe all of you are sitting here for a reason this morning. God led you here. Make sure you learn the lesson before you move on. What is that lesson? We need an experience which we do not now possess, which many are too indolent to obtain. You know why we're too lazy to obtain it? Because you're not preaching. Because you're not teaching. And so you think it's okay to sit there and just listen to the Word of God and that's it. But friends, every person who is born into the kingdom of God is born a missionary. 
It is put upon every shoulder of every person that is sitting here this morning to give the message a certain sound. And if you don't get involved in the work of the ministry, your experience in the Word of God will always remain at a low level. So Cass, I need you to start going through all the names of the people here to start preaching. Starting with yourself. Amen, sister. And then Lisa. And then Maggie. Stanley. Everybody. Because it will give you the stress of learning to wrestle with the Scriptures. Are you with me? We don't sometimes get to that point until God puts us in that position where we are at our extremity. Then we cry out, God help us. Jacob, he was given a promise from God. Go back. Go back to the country, the one that you ran from, the one that where Esau, your brother, is waiting and he hates you and he wants to kill you. Go back. Okay, God, I go. And when he heard about the 400 men coming his way, he began to be nervous. It was tempting for him to doubt the promises of God. Do you know that? God, are you sure you wanted me to come back? You brought me back and now look, I'm going to die. And so he started to put things in order. Okay, the people at the front and then my children and then, you know, Leah's children and then Rachel's children. He had a plan all set up in his mind, but those men were still coming. You know, life has it that way. It makes us all stressed out. makes us think, God, are you sure I should be here? I forgot who I was telling just now, but every, every, every month I feel like leaving the ministry. Do you know that? Yeah, it's stressful. But I don't because I want to make sure that I'm walking in God's way. And I know that if I run, the lesson of diligence and learning to put your faith and your foundation in His Scriptures, you're going to have to learn it another way. It's just like that man that ran from the lion and he met a snake, or he met, and then he ran from the snake and he met a bear. You've got to stay until you can learn that lesson. And until we do, until we gain that experience, not to prepare us for church, not to prepare us just to give a sermon, but to prepare us to be a better man and a woman, to face the crisis that is coming ahead. We need that experience. And many of us, we've never understood what it means to study to show ourselves approved to God. We've been living in the eyes of man for too long. Don't judge me. Every Christian is different. But we forget that if we just look a bit further past that man, that God is standing there and He's wondering what you're doing with your time, what you're doing with your, 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 the, the resources that God has given to you. He's wondering what all the blessings that He's given to you that you're doing with that. He's wondering what you're doing with all the privileges. Are you going to put it to good use? Are you going to study to show yourself approved unto God? Friends, look. 
Preaching is your choice. We're not going to force anybody. But we have to grow. And you have to start somewhere. And whether that's saying, okay, I want to get involved in Sabbath school. That's a bit easier, all right? But you have to start somewhere. But that means you've got to come in time for Sabbath school. Amen? Amen? I would love it if 90% of our church, 90% of our church can be on time for Sabbath school. You know, I say that number because I was sitting there at Lighthouse in Penang while I was doing boot camp, and, and Dr. Chu, the elder, he got up and says, I'm so glad that 90% of our church comes for Sabbath school. I was so jealous. Between Sabbath school and when I got up, the church doubled here this morning. Do you know that? But I would love it if we took the Word of God more seriously. Yes! I'm glad you are here this morning already. Don't get me wrong. You thought maybe, hey, I'm taking the Word of God seriously. I'm sitting here listening to your sermon. No, but now I want you to double that effort. The Word of God, now for Sabbath school, the Word of God for divine service. Amen? And then if you're doing that, well, now I've got to be a little bit more diligent, exert myself. Don't fall asleep in the afternoon. Amen? That's diligence. Push yourself to exert yourself to make sure that you begin to understand the Word of God. What it means to really search the Scriptures. You know, Ellen White, I read the passage, I'm sorry, it's not up here, but she she said about our pioneers, the people that established our church, she said about these people, they knew what it meant to search the Scriptures. And you know, I really think about that a lot because I tell myself, you know, if they couldn't bring in the second coming of Jesus, how are we going to be able to do that? William Miller, when he began to search the Scriptures for 10 years, He studied the Bible from cover to cover, and he began in Genesis 1. And if he didn't understand verse 1, he stayed there until he understood all of it. Then he moved to verse 2, and he made sure that he ascertained the full meaning of that verse before he went to verse 3. And he did this with the whole Bible. Do you know that? The whole Bible. Uriah Smith was called to the publishing ministry in his teenage years. Do you know that? He never got a degree. HMS Richards, more, okay, not this century, but just the previous century that passed by. I came from that century, you know. But HMS Richards, the first Adventist to start publishing his sermons on the radio waves, that's what he became famous for. But he read 80 books in one year one time. Do you know that? And I'm not talking about these small, little, thin books. He read things like Conditionalist Faith of Our Fathers. It's about this thick and it's about this big. He would read these big books. He spent his time reading and reading and reading until Andrews University gave him an honorary, honorary doctorate degree. He didn't even study it. They just gave it to him. You, you, you know more than our, our, our professors here at the university. 
but he was always using, as a result, his time wisely. Friends, it's time to put aside our, our foolish things. Some of these things are seemingly harmless. Some of it is not even bad at all. Facebook, it can be bad, but you can't tell me that you're sinning by looking at Facebook. You know what I mean? But is it eating up our time for studying the Bible? Studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. My dear brothers and sisters, at the end of time, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God is not going to ask us just whether you are faithful or not. I believe He's going to ask us, hey, how did you spend those moments when you were free? Those moments while you were waiting, even when you were sitting there in the dentist, waiting for your name to be called, what did you do? Did you pull out your phone and go on Facebook or play one round of Angry Birds? Seemingly harmless. You weren't sinning. You weren't cursing. You weren't killing somebody. You weren't lying. But were you making yourself a better person? Friends, I want you to reevaluate how you spend your time this coming week. I believe all of us, if we use our time wisely, we can become great preachers for the Lord. Great witnesses. That burning and bright light like John the Baptist. But it's going to require effort and diligence. Will you be willing to do it? Why not reflect on that this coming week? Consider your time and how you're using it. Let's stand for our closing song. Give me the Bible. That is my prayer that all of us would desire this, that this would be the apple of our eye in this coming week. You know, friends, maybe, maybe there are some of us out there that don't have that desire or that burning love and passion for the Scriptures. I'm not asking you to have that today. I'm asking you to have a willingness to get involved in the work of God. And by that, I mean more than just standing up to sing or lead out in prayer or to, to greet someone at the door. I'm asking you to get involved in the work of ministry from the standpoint of giving Bible study. Getting involved, maybe just following one of the Bible workers. We have four Bible workers at our church here. And I'm sure that if the lay members wanted to and you wanted to join and you wanted to learn, we'll be happy to bring you. But that means it requires commitment, commitment of time each week. It requires sacrifice somewhere along the way. I'm going to leave it up to our elder to decide who can preach. Our elder decides that. I hope his name will be on there soon. But don't miss out the opportunity to grow. And this is why God gives this work to human beings, sinful like us, and not to perfect angels, so that we can grow. So I want you to consider my appeal. I'm not going to ask any of you to come forward, but come and speak to me. If you want to get involved, let's figure out what we can do together.
just so that we can begin to study. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for the Bible. I want to thank you for this book that has been bought by the blood of martyrs. Help us, O Lord, to treasure it. Help us not to neglect it. Help us to understand what it means to study. So, Lord, please, help us to realize that the work of studying rests not on just the pastor alone, but upon every single member here. Lord, help us to study this coming week, that we can be ready, not just to preach, but that we can have an experience that gets us ready for the time of trouble to come ahead. Be with all of us here, Lord. Convict us and guide us with your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.